Good evening. Today is Tuesday, October 24th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is the, tradi are the traditions, and our speaker tonight is Victoria. Thank you, Victoria. Thanks, Betty. Thanks, everybody. Um, hey, everybody. I'm Victoria W. Um, in Louisiana. My pronouns are she and her, um, and I identify as today, luckily, as a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I'm also recovered from um, insulin manipulation, which was a, you know, I'm diabetic. So if you're not diabetic and you don't use insulin, that probably doesn't apply to you. But there are other people that I've talked to who have said, oh, I didn't realize that that was a compulsive behavior. And um, if you if you feel like you just heard about something you want to talk about, just know that I suffered with that. Um, I thought I was really smart. If I just give myself enough insulin, then I won't have blood sugar problems. Um, and <laughs> clearly that didn't work out for me because if it had, I wouldn't have made my way into the 12 step program at the age of 26. Um, I'm about to turn, um, I'm about to turn 31 in about a month. It's also a few weeks since the first time I went to an OA meeting, uh, four years ago. And I'm incredibly blessed to be celebrating over three and a half years of abstinence and um, from harming myself with food. And I'm saying that tonight, not, not because I think I'm so great. I, am, I can only say that because I know it wasn't me because I tried my hardest. And like I said, there's no way, I, I mean, I love OA, it's the best part of my life now, but there's no way I would have come here if I could have done it any other way. And I'm not saying that to be ugly, but it's just, it's just the truth. I didn't want anything to do with this club. Uh, I, no, I had no interest. I had no interest in spending such a large portion of my time, you know, as a young person or otherwise calling people I barely knew, um, you know, doing service for things that weren't going to be something I could put on my resume. Like what, did, what was in it for me? Um, and the truth is what's in it for me is that it helps me stay in a place of, of neutrality and in, in a place of peace where I can enjoy the other things in my life because the food is not the thing that I'm thinking about or obsessing about the most. Um, so yeah, I will just say that if you want to know more about, you know, my, my personal story and what brought me here, it's in some other, um, podcasts that I've done for this meeting or tons I've talked for this meeting, but also please feel free to call me. Um, I just want to use most of the time tonight on, oh, and I forgot to start my own timer, but I just want to use most of the time to talk about the traditions because there's so many of them, but I think, I think it's kind of interesting to start out with, you know, I mentioned a couple of times, like this club that I didn't want to be a part of this society, um, this faction, if you will, how many, how many different words do I know for <laughs> that mean group um i <laughs> you know the 12 steps are also about me learning how to reduce my ego but the 12 traditions i think is really just taking that up a notch and i've heard people say you know the 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 real crux of the 12 steps the 12 step program yeah it's the spiritual awakening yes it's surrender blah 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 but to do all of that it's continual um, and progressive ego reduction. And that definitely rings true for me when I have any kind of disturbance at all, there is ego in the middle of it. And it is blocking me from the serenity that I could have access to otherwise. Um, 
I'm not able to access that on my own because of the insanity that I suffer as a result of this disease or, or as part of this disease. And therefore I have to, um, partner with call on a higher power to manage my life so that I can enjoy that. So for me, the 12 traditions are sort of level, level two, or probably level 10 at this point, right? When I really started getting out of myself enough to say, well, what, what about this group of OA as a whole? Who cares? I've just been here worried about me for a while. Um, and then once I started really being able to say yes to service and think about things like, you know, there's, there's meeting level service, there's committee level service, there's intergroup level service, there's region level service, there's, you know, world service. Uh, there are all these different, there are all these different layers um, to the way that OA operates and to the way that we can all serve individually and therefore serve the individuals of OA. Um, but these traditions are our operating principles is sort of how I see that. Um, and I also think it's important to say that not everybody feels the same about, you know, their interpretation of these traditions. I think like anytime when you have a text that people read and then interpret, there might be differences. So I'm just sharing my experience, strength and hope, what I feel has been relayed to me through my higher power, through my experiences. Um, but please don't feel that this is, you know, what I, what I have to say on this is the law. It's my interpretation. And there, I may say some things that people find either controversial or don't agree with, or seem, seem to be strong statements. Um, or I might not, maybe I, maybe I'm putting out that caveat and then I won't say anything at all that's remotely controversial, but I just think it's important to remember that, uh, there's a reason we have different speakers speak on all of these chapters at this meeting. Um, so in the text, in this appendix one, they're pretty clear. They're saying, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous has made the difference between misery and sobriety and often the difference between life and death. I think that's definitely true for, um, you know, my disease with Overeaters Anonymous. And I love this. It's saying that organization can mean just as much to uncounted alcoholics not yet reached. So we're not only responsible to for always staying around so that we can like have friends and continue to talk about how, how great the solution is, but it's, it's really goes to a tradition five, um, which we'll get to that. Our primary purpose is to reach people who are still suffering and we need these principles so that OA as a whole can operate, can continue to operate so that it can accomplish, um, or at least aim towards accomplishing some of those, that goal, those goals and reaching the uncounted compulsive overeaters. Um, and that's why it's telling us because that's our primary purpose, a, no society ever had a more urgent need, not want, not desire, not an urgent desire, an urgent need for continuous effectiveness and permanent unity. So that's also at the core of these traditions. Um, and then it says, we, I, I know a lot of people quote this when we talk about this chapter, but this appendix, but we alcoholics see that we must work together and hang together else most of us will finally die alone. And I've heard many renditions of that. I think it's really true that to band together or to suffer alone, those are the options um, to recover together, to be miserable alone. Those, those are the options, but 
if we're going to have that um, happiness, joy, and freedom together, we have to learn how to work together. And so these are principles and traditions that are set forth to help us do that. Okay, so tradition one really goes into this um, and it goes into it more in detail uh, in the long form where it says every member of OA is but a, well, AAOA is but a small part of a great whole. Um, this whole, the organization must continue to live or most of us individually will surely die. Hence, our common welfare comes first. So actually the common welfare coming first is not out of this altruistic like idea of, let me put myself last, like let's put the organization above. It's, it's really because if we don't put the organization first, if it doesn't continue, we also are screwed. Um, and I as an individual am screwed. You know, anybody else who suffers from this is screwed unless we have this solution that we can access. Um, and it does say our common welfare comes first, but individual welfare follows close afterwards. So I do think it's really important. That's not something that gets, you know, said in the short form, but I am coming to learn in my recovery journey to that common welfare must come first does not mean I sacrifice all of my time, energy, uh, and resources of all kind to do anything that anyone asked me to do ever. Now, there are many people who might say, yeah, why would you think that it means that? Um, I've heard a lot of people talk about how, you know, oh, if this work's not inconvenient, you're probably not doing enough of it. Now that, I'm not saying that's false. I'm I'm because I, I can be inconvenienced from taking one phone call sometimes because I think my time is so, so important. Um, but, <laughs> and I'm, I'm laughing because it's not inconvenient at all, but I... I also think that there are, well, maybe not, maybe there aren't many of us, but me, myself, I can swing the pendulum as an addict all the way to the other side and think that that's going to be my get out of jail free card. And I just think it's really important that I continue to explore with my higher power, like where am I serving others? Where am I spending whatever I have left that's actually taking away from service that I could do Um Either by just, if people see that I'm exhausted and miserable all the time, they probably don't want what I have. You know, that's also, that's part of it. And then also like I got a massage the other day and I kept saying that I was going to do that for months and months and months and months and months and months, but I didn't have time. It was really expensive and blah, blah, blah. But I was in a lot of pain. And once I did it, I started crying. I started crying as soon as the woman touched my shoulders. I just felt like, Victoria, you had this intuitive thought for so long. Why? Why have you been resisting it? Um, and I think sometimes, the reason I'm going into detail about that, I think sometimes people can get under the guise of, well, I'm sacrificing for the group. I'm doing this for the group. I'm, I'm, you know, our common welfare must come first. Not necessarily they're taking that only in terms of OA. That could be any type of group. But I do think it's important to realize that both of those things need to be taken care of. But if it comes down to, am I going to be uncomfortable if I don't get my way, but this decision is better for OA as a whole, that's when we have to be willing to put our common welfare first. Um, and I, I don't know, that's just something I think is, is really interesting. Um, for tradition to our common, you know, our, there's but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. I think that is, I think that is 
pretty self-explanatory. It's actually interesting. Tradition two is the only one where in the long form in the original, it's shorter than in the short form because in the short form also adds our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Um, and I just think that's funny because it's just technically longer in the short form, but um, I think it's really important. You know, if, if I'm a chair, if I'm a secretary, if I'm the Zoom host, if I'm, you know, the speaker getter, my position, you know, position, it's through a rotation of service. And it's because other people have trusted me to serve the group in this manner. It is not, I, I gain no authority. I have no ability to make a unilateral decision. Um, regardless of the fact that we have chairs, you know, there's not, you know, everything is, is made by discussion and procedure and majorities and things like that. There's not, you know, we don't have the veto powers of, of the OA, um, you know, intergroup meetings. And I think, well, maybe some intergroups do. I, I haven't served on any to have that. Um, and I think that's really important too. I've heard people talk about that service structure as like an inverted triangle where, um, the individual, they're the most individuals and how that becomes, you know, what everyone is trying to serve. And then as what you would typically think of in a society of going, you know, up the chain, you know, moving up the ladder as you go from, you know, meeting to intergroup to region, et cetera, there's less people holding more power. But in a way, in the 12-step programs, think of it, thinking of it as an inverted triangle sees how, um, there's less people holding up the many instead of standing on top of them. And that's just something that I kind of think is cool. And I think it's easy to forget when I'm, you know, part of me is like, oh, well, I volunteered to, to, you know, hold the bank account for something. So I'm really important and everybody needs to listen to what, you know, what I want to do because I'm the one who's going to sign the checks. Like, no, that's not how this works. Um, and I think it's, it's a good just thing to put a reminder on that the, I, I don't even like, I know I'm saying higher because right. I think I'm so used to thinking of everything as like, Oh, you know, you're a worker and then you're a manager and then you're an executive and then you're the CEO, you know, thinking of it like the, like a pyramid. And this is the complete opposite. Um, which is a great thing because I I'm in one of those organizations in my professional life and there's a lot of strife and power struggle going on there. I don't think that, you know, any society is not going to be immune to that. But I think especially knowing that, um, you know, we addicts as sensitive people can accelerate the destruction of something so sacred when a power struggle or an ego trip get in the way. Um, so that was something when I was reading today that I thought was interesting. And I probably, I'm probably getting close to five minutes, right, Angela? Kind of, yeah, all right. So we're probably not even gonna get to most of these because there's just so much I wanna say, but I would say a few things that I wanted to point out. So for number three, the only requirement is a desire to stop drinking or stop, eat, stop eating compulsively. There are people who eat compulsively at times who overeat that are not compulsive overeaters. Um, who would not identify that way. This program sometimes find, even though it's not a program of dieting with group support, sometimes people who need that, sometimes people who have overeaten until they found dieting with group support find their way here and are successful. And they, they also deserve membership. 
Um, I do think it's important that we share the message for people who are true compulsive overeaters that that's not effective because the solution is the steps, but those people deserve membership too. And everyone's membership is equal. Um, that comes back into play with tradition 12 with principles over personalities. But when people think I've heard people describe they're an OA superstar, they're a, they're a, uh, a really top-notch speaker. They're, you know, one of those big names that you recognize. What does that mean? You know, it's like, oh, okay. So we're, and, and I think this is just, it's just natural. This is what I did in my real, this is what I did in my, you know, real life, my outside life. And then this is what I do you know, now when I come into some new organization, some new group of people, it's natural for us to kind of repeat the same patterns that we've always had socializing, you know, like grouping people, separating off from certain people, um, deciding who you're like, or le you're more like, or less like, um, deciding who's more popular and less popular, deciding who, you know, has a more compelling voice and who doesn't. But what's important is that all of those memberships matter and that there really are no celebrities. And I think sometimes, um, I think part of principles over personalities that I also see is that sometimes it can be really easy to praise a person rather than the message that they're carrying. And I'm, I think it's, I think there's like a, such a fine line, but it's something that I just try to be cognizant of because I think it's really easy to go from, wow, your message is so inspiring. Thank you for sharing your experience, strength and hope in your recovery to attributing that person's success or miracle to their own doing when we know that all of us are here, or at least speak for myself, I am here because I couldn't do it on my own. If I could have, if, if there's anything I did that's special, <laughs> um, Trust me, I would have done it before I before I got here. Um, yeah, so let's see. Then the other thing too is that you know each each OA group being autonomous and number four, this is something I can talk about really quickly. So basically. I think I am quick to fall on that part of, e of each group should be autonomous. Each group should be autonomous. That's not the whole tradition. It says each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole, OA as a whole. So if there's something a group conscience is deciding, on the one hand, I'm like, whoa, tradition too. The group conscience is the authority because that's our loving God expressing themselves in there, right? But then on the other hand, if it's something that could affect OA as a whole, if it could affect the amount of newcomers that are retained, if it could affect people who hear the message, if it could affect, um, for instance, if it could affect people even wondering if OA could work for them, maybe that does affect the, the purpose of OA as a whole. So for instance, one thing, there's certain meetings I've gone to where in the group conscience, they ask people not to state food names. I personally don't agree with that request is what I'm, is what I'm going to choose my words as. Is that one, one minute? Okay, yeah. cool. I'll, I'll end with this and one more quick thing. So I think that sends the message that saying the word brownie is more powerful than what a spiritual authority can do for us. If we turn our will and our lives over to them, that's my, that's my perception of that type of expression. So if that came up in a group conscience, 
I'm not saying I would say it's my way or the highway, but I might consider how might this reflect on OA as a whole based on this decision. And then the last thing I wanna end with, and I'd love to have some more discussion and questions from other people because there's so much more to go into here is anonymity attraction rather than promotion, number 11, press radio film. Um, I have seen a lot of people with questions about social media is that it's not something that was, that's not something that was able to be described in 1946. I think there's a big difference from somebody posting, hey, I have three years free from compulsive eating or binge eating or five years free from bulimia on their social media. If that's something you want to do, I don't think you've identified yourself as an OA spokesperson that way um, by saying, I don't, this is going to be my last sentence. I just think that that's something I've asked myself these questions and I've come to be led to that versus saying, today I'm getting my four-year chip in OA. Maybe I would consider that differently as a form of, of public expression as a member. So I know I'm out of time. I would love to hear what other people think or other traditions that we didn't get to. If you have questions, let me know. Um, thank you for the opportunity to share here tonight. Thank you so much, Victoria. Okay, now we'll open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and steps or traditions being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep this meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. I will call the raised hands in order and the Zoom host will ask you to unmute when it's your turn. With the timekeeper, please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up. If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Okay, who would like to share? Angela, you're the winner. I am the winner. Hey, everyone. I'm Angela, gratefully recovered, compulsive reader and bulimic. Love seeing all your faces tonight. Thank you for those doing service. And Victoria, thank you so much for sharing with us. Um, you know, the traditions, uh, you know, I don't know what to say other than, you know, they keep our spaces safe. And, um, I shared, uh, you know, whenever it was about the traditions also, um, it just feels like, you know, growing up, uh, these kinds of safety parameters were not in place, right? There was, there was no, um, you know, there, there was, there were no rules in place that said that I would have a voice or that, um, I would be heard or that, um, that it was going to be a safe place, you know, regardless of what happened, you know, that was a very, um, uh, uh, that that's what set the foundation for me, you know, to not trust, to not believe, to not, um, to not, uh, yeah, to, to not know that everything was going to be okay, even if there was confrontation, right? That whole piece of, you know, being afraid of getting other people upset, um, speaking my truth, um, and, uh, and even believing that, that I 
could have value, right? And I could um, uh, uh, be heard. Um, so uh, yeah, it was really, really good hearing you, Victoria. Um, you know, the the traditions are there. They are what keep everything safe and in place. And um, that's why OA, I believe, is still functioning. Um, you know, these things, we adhere to these things. They're, it's like unenforceable, right? These things are unenforceable. And yet we follow them because we know inherently that these are the things that um, are going to keep it, um, keep it going. And um, keep people um, uh, to come back. So anyway, thanks again. Um, and we will uh, continue on. Um, Holly? Holly? Thank you, Angela. Holly? There we go. Hi. Holly, compulsive overeater. Um, God, there was a lot. Thank you, Victoria, for, <laughs> for that. That was, there's a lot there. And it, I guess um, what what I wanted to share on is the last thing you were talking about with social media. Um, interested, it's interesting um, subject. Honestly, I'm I have a lot of friends in different programs, and some of them on on Facebook just post what they want to. They're you know whatever that, and that's fine for them. Um, our inner group started a fellows. Page. It's called it's a page called Fellows, and it's private. So, which was really, um, people can post their birthdays and of course, any other information that they want to. And it was really helpful during um, COVID because that's how they pass those meeting codes around until we got meeting lists going. But um, I'll tell you that in the flip side of that is that I, oh God, it had to be five years ago when I was having a birthday, I put on my Facebook page, I just put the number of whatever it was. And, and, you know, shortly after someone called me that was in my other program, I'm in two, and I'm not very anonymous in the other one. Like most people know, if they have someone has a problem with food, they can at least talk to me, I don't stay anonymous within the rooms at all. But this guy called me, he said, Holly, we had this discussion. 10 years ago at a convention and I knew what you meant when you put that number up there and I want to talk to you about that. He was ready to, that sparked him. He was ready to, um, to come into program and he is in program now. He's in a couple of my groups. So, you know, I guess it has to be comfort level on that, but, and I do understand the anonymity. I'm pretty anonymous within meetings too, you know, I won't share what anybody said or who spoke. People ask me all the time, who spoke? I'm not going to tell you <laughs> if you weren't there, but you know, it, things like that, but it's, it is, it's, it's quite a thing. And it does also uh, give us an opportunity to pass to, So people do know we're in program and they know that they can call us too. So there's just two ways to look at it. And I really appreciate your share. I love to study the traditions. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Holly. And Andrea, you're up. Hi, I'm Andrea, compulsive overeater. Victoria, thank you so much for sharing on the traditions. I know that they can be challenging to talk about. I, I There seems to be, I don't know about anyone else, but there's kind of this like, 
common thing that can happen sometimes in meetings that I'm in where we're like, oh, this week's a tradition that there's like, oh. <laughs> there's like this thing that we do because somehow it's like not as fun or easy to, to get into as, as steps can be. And yet our traditions are so very fundamental to how we run things and how we're able to keep this going through all the things we've been through, through all the different decades and all the different changes that have happened you know, since, since OA or AA began. Uh, and I think the thing that, that like really struck me in, in what you were sharing was around tradition one about around common welfare coming first and how sometimes, yes, we could, you know, interpret that in different ways that I loved when you were saying, like, if you're really tired and haggard, who's going who's gonna to want what you have, which I, you know, I laugh because it's, it's true. I think we can, I certainly can relate <laughs> to that, that feeling of just like, oh yeah, I just, I gotta do a little more. I, I think that I, like, I certainly struggle to keep the pendulum in the middle, right? I, I, I am a person of extremes, as our literature does say. I think we struggle with moderation. And so I thought you did a really nice job of articulating sort of your thought on the difference between common welfare coming first um, and then, you know, personal recovery following close after. So thank you for that. Thank you, Andrea. And who else would like to share? Victoria is open to questions, narrow and broad. Yvonne. Please share. Hi, everybody. Yvonne, a compulsive overeater in BC, Canada. And so, Victoria, I do have a question for you. Um, Tradition 7 um, talks about a, a, every group um, should be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. And even in the long form, it kind of focuses on the money aspect of that, of not going out and, and soliciting funds from outside of the organization. And yet money is not the only thing that is required to um, keep meetings going. I mean, service is required. It takes a lot of coordination to get, you know, enough people to run the meetings and find speakers for meetings and stuff. And I just wondered um, if you thought that that was kind of part of tradition seven or whether it more broadly just fits under tradition one. Um, and I ask it in this context. I've been at a couple of meetings that have been really struggling and eventually have had to shut down because they just couldn't find enough people um, to fulfill the service positions. And of course, you know, my initial instinct is always to rush in and try and do everything I can and try and fix it. And that's exactly probably what I shouldn't be doing. Um, and so maybe you could just um, speak on that, on, on how, you know, where that fits in our traditions, keeping uh, service healthy as well as finances. Oh, thank you for that question. That's really cool because, you know, when I was reviewing these earlier today, I wasn't really thinking about it outside of monetary memes, but I was thinking of it sort of in the context of, okay, when a university builds a library, they ask for somebody to pay for it and that person's name is on it. And we don't want, you know, we don't want it to become like 
this fast food restaurants like has a club for OA, right? Like, or has the recovery center. Like we need it to be independent of, of that because a lot of times money comes with strings attached. Um, that hasn't changed in almost a hundred years. Imagine that. Um, but I do think service-wise, you raise a good point too. And in tradition nine and the long, even though it's not seven exactly, I think my answer is yes. I think it has to do with seven and one and nine because nine <laughs> says, um, each AA group needs the least possible organization. Rotating leadership is the best. That's the second sentence that comes after. So, okay, this, I have said this before in some intergroup service that I've been in. Um, I think it comes down, to, it also kind of interweaves with each group being autonomous. I think some meetings need to shut down. Like not that I need to go and shut them down, but if no one is, is no one is there to do service, if there's not enough people who, if a newcomer comes, can be helped by somebody who has a message to carry, I would just ask, is it doing more harm than good? I know the first meeting I went to had people who could sponsor, people who were taking chips, people who were giving out chips. And that, well, I guess I can't say, but I don't know what it would have been. If I had gone to my first meeting and it was two people sitting there and they both were in the food talking about how miserable their lives were, you you wouldn't have gotten me back in a in a Methodist in the basement of a Methodist church for eight more years. I mean, re- and it's just like I feel like that sounds harsh, but it's just the truth um, of where my mind was as a newcomer. And so I wonder if there's not service to go around. We've even had those discussions, you know, in this meeting with different roles and things like that. It's I think it just goes to say, well, is this is this the group conscience speaking? that we don't want this meeting open and that we should focus on the meetings, you know, because people can go to a meeting at any time, anywhere around the world um, through a, through OA.org and through that directory. Does it have to be that meeting? Um, and I know that probably doesn't sound very nice, but I think I'm more interested in keeping the meetings available that people can go to as strong ones than making an attempt where people are fighting to save it you know, tooth and nail every time there's a call for service. Thank you so much, Yvonne and Victoria. Do we have any more volunteers to share? I have a question. Joe, I'm going to let you go. You're up. That was, <clears throat> I couldn't take notes fast enough. Um, thank you, Victoria. That was, um, there was, I, I, I wish I could have. Maybe I'll listen to the recording because um, there was a whole lot in there. And I'm definitely one of the people, I said this in this meeting last night, that when I hear it's a traditions meeting, I'm like, oh, my God. Um, but one thing that really stuck out for me, particularly today, is when, and I don't even remember what tradition you were talking about this in conjunction with, but was that ego is at the center of your problems. And so um, for me, the desire to rush in and save things and do more, do more, do more is always around a central um, impulse of look at me, look at me. I'm, you know, I'm, I have value, I have worth kind of thing, which is a hole that I tried to fill with food for 60 years. So um, the idea that ego 
is, you know, something that the traditions are there to keep from us screwing ourselves up is a really interesting way for me to look at a tradition and a really personalized way, whether or not it was intended, maybe I'm just nuts, but um, to look at a tradition as having a direct impact on me, whereas I tend to look at the traditions as, oh, they're kind of over there, you know, and don't have anything to do with me. Um, so that was a really good object lesson. Um, and it just makes me think of one of my favorite things in the AA Big Book, which is our best thinking got us here, right? Which is like, as long as we think we, as long as I think I am smarter than this or have a better way or whatever, it's not usually uh, the first voice I should listen to. Um, thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Joe. And now we will stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. And 